Hello and welcome to episode 76 of Command Space on 5 by 5 My name is Mike Hurley and today I am joined by Jessica Heesh. Hi Jessica, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Did, uh, I should have asked you this before. Did I pronounce your name correctly or did I butcher, butcher it completely? Well, it's tough to tell with the accent, actually. You know, you might be saying it totally wrong, but, you know, with that nice non-American <laughs> accent, I can't tell. <laughs> so I'll just pretend I got away with it. Yeah, no, it's usually, uh, the, usually my explanation is hish like fish. Most people say heesh. Yeah. And I don't, I don't correct them because I don't want to be one of those people that, like, corrects people's pronunciations of words, but, you Yeah, know. I definitely went for, for heesh rather than hish. But uh, I should have kept that to myself. But anyway, that's okay. I mean, my family actually pronounces it wrong anyway. So oh, I mean, okay. you sort of got to think of like who's who's right and who's wrong in this situation. Probably not the like American hishes that pronounce their German last name wrong. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so Jessica, what do you like to be known for? Um, I don't know. I kind of just like being known as being a friendly person. I think that's my top thing. I think I really like people knowing that the the me that's on the internet is the same person. But um, work wise, I you know I do lettering. I do type design occasionally. I'm getting more into type design though. It's one of those things that's really intimidating when you start a project. So it's hard to get motivated until you feel like you've accomplished a little bit. I'm sure everybody in the web community can, you know, relate to that. <laughs> yeah, no. But, um, but yeah, I know. I don't know. I, I think I, I'd like to be known as like the your sister from another Mister. You know, I want to be everybody's friend. <laughs> That's maybe <laughs> one of my favorite answers. Your sister from another Mister. I like it. That's good. So, what's your origin story? Have you always been an artistic person from when you were a kid? I have been. I. Um, I sorry, my phone was just buzzing. The client that we were talking about earlier is trying to get in touch with me. Do you need um, to take it, or are you okay? I'm okay for now. I'll okay. just write them an email, um, <laughs> which I can multitask since we're not looking at each other. Um, no, my so my origin story. I was always um, an artistic person ever since I was a little kid, and you know, in little kid artistic ways. Like I loved coloring, and I loved making crappy drawings, and I did it all day long because my mom allowed me to. Because um, once I feel like new parents sort of figure this out. Um, artistic children are really well-behaved children for the most part. Yep. <laughs> you just like put them in the corner with a pack of paper and some and some crayons and they're ready to roll for hours and hours. So I, I pray to God that I have artistic children as well uh, for so many reasons, but yeah. If you can just push them towards it anyway. Come on, Yeah, Timmy. exactly. Be, like be you're artistic. terrible at drawing, but you know what? I love your terrible drawings. <laughs> and, and mommy will always love you. That kind of Indeed. Thing. So do you, where did this love of art come from? Is it a family trait or were you independent in that? Um, I was the only artistic person in my family. There's no designers, photographers, artists. There's nobody in my family that is artistic in the you know career way. I think my mom always considered herself to be creative, but... Mm-hmm. Never really had an outlet for it because, you know, she also, uh, she ended up going to school for chemistry. And I think at the time it was just so awesome to be like a woman pursuing a really hardcore chemistry degree that, um, that you know, it, it was obviously way more appealing to go that route than it was to do anything creative. But um, when I was growing up, she did pride herself in her uh, ability to make gift baskets and the um, sort of holiday decorating club that she was a part of called Holly Trails, 
where they would like every year they would decorate a different person's house and they would just go bananas doing it. And I think that she like always loved having these like more crafty creative outlets, um, but never really considered herself an artist. Were your family like supportive of your uh, love of art and your desire to get into that world? They were for sure. I mean, they didn't really, um, I mean, my mom and dad both, they bought me like so many art supplies growing up, just like endless art supplies. Um, I grew up in kind of a small town in Pennsylvania, not very close to, I don't think we had any sort of art museum kind of situation going on, um, anywhere close by. So I didn't get really exposed to art history or anything like that until high school and college. But um, they definitely were all about letting me make stuff and, you know, that's as much as they could sort of do with what they were given. And that's awesome. And were you like a wall drawer? Like, did you just scroll all over the place at home or were you constrained to just easels and things like that? Um, I was a little bit of a wall drawer in high school, but wasn't really that much growing up. Um, I was kind of a color within the lines person. I wasn't like a really crazy, zany art maker. Mm-hmm. And even when I, like, my abilities improved, I didn't, I didn't make insanity work. I was always kind of like a very uh, precise art person, which makes sense with where I ended up. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's that kind of does make sense actually. It's like you know very sort of controlled. Art. Yeah, definitely. Um, what did you study at school? Did you did you take an artistic route or did you come back to that later? Um, I ended up, I went to art school, so I got a Bachelor of Fine Arts, so I definitely pursued it 100% in college. And then um, I, but I didn't know that I wanted to be a graphic designer until I was already in school, so I didn't know what graphic design was. I thought I was just going to go to school, do something with these drawing skills, I'd figure it out, whatever. Um, and it wasn't until I got there that I sort of, was introduced to like all the different disciplines and what you could actually do with these different disciplines and which ones made sense based on what sort of your abilities and inclinations were. So I, I loved painting and drawing still, but I, I had a really hard time being self-expressionistic and also like wanting to roll through like all the tradition of painting as well. You know, I was like, like every 22 year old or 18 year old or whatever. Um, I, I went to school thinking I was going to make like crazy abstract art or something instead of, you know, running through like super traditional painting. And so after you, you got your, uh, you got your degree, um, how long did it take you before you found your first job in design? Um, I had my first job while I was still in school pretty okay. much. So I, two of my professors, um, worked at this place, had case design. One of them was the owner and one of them had worked there for five years and um, I had the worker first and then the owner second. So I convinced the worker to basically um, tell his boss that I should be their intern, even though they never had an intern before. And so while I was in school, I was able to intern for them um, over one summer. And then I was interning there and at another studio and decided that I really wanted to continue working for them if I could. So I stayed working um, working there during the semester whenever I could. And then when I was graduating, I sort of just asked them if they needed extra help and just kept on as a freelancer. So it was a pretty seamless transition into employment for me. And then it only got a little different um, when I was out of school for about six months. And I had been working there basically full time. They were so slammed with work that, you know, there was always stuff for me to be working on. 
Um, but the issue was that my boss wasn't sure if he wanted to hire a third employee. So, you know, it's of course a huge jump going from having two employees to three employees. And so he cut my hours because of course you can't just like have a full-time employee and not give them benefits forever. Um, so I ended up, um, you know, working part-time there and then trying to pursue freelance work on the side. And, um, in trying to pursue freelance work, I ended up getting offered a job in New York which was when I worked for Louise Feely and um, everything kind of got turned on its head and my game plan got mixed up. <laughs> so we're going to get on to talk about some of sort of the projects and stuff that you've done and I'm sure it will sort of come back into twining with that story. But I guess, you know, you mentioned already like moving about, like, you know, you, you mentioned like New York and stuff like that. So I assume that your work's taken you to many different places in the world, like not just for full-time jobs, but just for, for projects that like, have you been quite well-traveled with your design work? Um, more well-traveled because of speaking than because of work. Like I don't have to go anywhere ever to do work. Like I can just work from my bathroom <laughs> if I want to, <laughs> you know, like, uh, most of the time I don't meet my clients. You know, a lot of my clients are still on the east coast of America because, um, you know, a lot of advertising and, and publishing is still based there. But I, I hardly ever, I don't think I've ever traveled for work. I've only ever traveled wow. for speaking, which is work, but, you know, not work. <laughs> so for you, it's kind of just been New York and San Francisco, right? Because that was where your your full-timey stuff was and, and I know that yeah exactly I started in Philly because it's where I went to school and my my first work experience there was as an intern a freelancer in Philadelphia and then moved to New York worked there full-time for um, about two and a half years and then was freelancing there for a few years and then moved out here two years ago to San Francisco and having done all of it like what works better for you do you prefer freelancing to being permanent like do you have a preference or you know do, do things just make their own way into, into one route or another um, I prefer freelancing mostly because I really like to be in charge of my own hours and to be the person that has screwed up my schedule if it's screwed up. You know what I mean? Yeah, so sure. if, if, if my life is crazy, I know that it's my fault. It's not like, I don't, I can't blame it on anybody else but me. <laughs> you know, right. I, I'm the one that took on too much work. I'm the one that said yes to that project that sounded like it would have been okay, but I got the crazy vibes from the client. Um, and I, I really like that about freelancing. And I also found that when I had a full-time job, um, and I think a lot of people experience this with full-time jobs, is that there is a time of the day for every person that they are not that productive. And it changes, like, depending on the person. Like, for me, I found that, you know, right before lunch and right after lunch, I was super unproductive, could basically get nothing done. So in the, like, hour and a half, like, going up to lunch, and in the, like, hour and a half after lunch, I just, like... There's hardly anything that I can do productively. And I hated the idea of having to be in a place, you know, to, of like needing to be at an office looking busy, yeah. even if you were incapable of getting anything done. So what I like about freelance is that I don't have to like kid myself. I can just do busy work and clean my office and whatnot when I know that I can't get done any lettering work. Yeah, so you're able to just not do work rather than pretend to do work. Yeah, exactly. So now you have your own studio uh, called Title Case, right? Indeed. That's just sort of like the name of our space. Um, my studio mate Eric and I um, are both freelancers and we share the space together. And we kind of named it so that um, if we wanted to do work together, we could you know, work under that name. Or if we wanted to um, 
you know, have events and whatnot, it would sure. be easy to have it and not be like, Jessica and Eric Studio. <laughs> so do you mainly then just, that's just the place that you work in, that's where you do your freelance work and that's where you both do your own independent work, um, but you just have it, you know, you give it a cool name. Is that the kind of yeah. The idea? Yeah, exactly. So how how's having your own studio changed the way that you work? Do you, are you much more productive working there than from home? Yeah, definitely. I have a really hard time working from home. Um, Mostly because of my cats. I mean, it seems right. like super dumb, but um, they're all over me when I'm at home. Even yesterday morning, I was having a bit of a client emergency basically all morning. And I woke up um, and my client's on the East Coast and they were sending me panicked emails and phone calls for two hours um, b- before I was awake, you know, from 6 a.m. until 8 a.m. And I finally got in touch with them at 8 a.m. when I woke up and then had to work really crazily Um after that and my cats were like climbing all over me as I was trying to get work done so it was really I had to lock the cat in the kitchen and then (laughs) screaming in the background while I'm trying to work (laughs) so it's just not not really easy for me to work from home does it also like the process of getting up getting ready going to the office does that like get you into a mode certainly taking a shower and not feeling like a scrub all the time gets me into a mode I mean I think if you feel like you are treating yourself pretty well. It's easier to be motivated to do work. Um, I find like even now because it's the holiday season and sure. I basically have only am only eating like cookies and, and banana bread and stuff, I feel pretty gross. So I'm like less in the mood to work because my stomach isn't isn't in it. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that. Like it's because I currently I, I work um a day job, um, and this is kind of like just my, my hobby job. Um jobby. Maybe I don't know. Um, Happy, and I, can, I like it. I, I'm going to continue working on that. Um, and I guess my studio is kind of in the same place that I sleep. And I think it would be kind of weird for me to just sort of roll out of bed and then just sit on this chair over here rather than in that bed over there and and just do work. Like I can imagine for me personally, I would need to just go somewhere and do it because I think I yeah. would struggle because it kind of also feel like just everything all the day and time is just blurring into one. Yeah, even when I had a full-time job, I still had a separate studio for my freelance work. So oh, wow. a lot of my friends thought that it was crazy because, um, you know, obviously it was like $400 a month at the time because sure. I was sharing with people. And, you know, that's a lot to think about. Like my rent was like eight or $900 a month and my studio costs, <laughs> you know, just under half that. Huh. And to think that I'm only there like on at nighttime and sometimes on the weekend, you know, a lot of my friends thought I was crazy, but it was the only way that I could be productive. Hey, as long as it was helping you bring in $500 a month, then you were, you were okay. You know? Exactly. And that was pre-cat too. But that was when I was living in a studio apartment where my bed was literally behind me while I was working. And just like the vibes that it was sending into the back of me as I was working, like, come to bed. What are you doing? You know? <laughs> it's so late. I, I it's dark do it. outside. You should be yeah, in I here had now. To, I had to, like, trap myself out of my house to feel like <laughs> I had to do work, you know? You just purposely lose your keys every day. Pretty much. I mean, I mean, like, if I wish... I wish all the time that, as much as I ha- would hate it if it was the truth, I talk all the time about how I wish my studio in San Francisco was farther away from my my house because it's so easy to go home right. um, that I could go home. But if I felt a little further away and a little like trapped out in the middle of nowhere, I'd probably work later. <laughs> you, should, you should just like move it to another town or something. 
Like a really, exactly. a real big like If I had thing. like a two-hour commute, uh-huh. <laughs> I would just stay there forever. <laughs> but a hammock in the back and no problem. All right, I just want to take a very quick break um, to talk about our sponsor for this week's show. And then we'll uh, we'll carry on because I've got loads more stuff that I want to talk to you about. So this okay. week's episode of Command Space is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TALLYHO12. Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features, designs, and more support. They have beautiful templates for you to start with and tons of other style options for you to adjust so you can really create your own space online. Squarespace takes care of hosting, SEO and even makes your site look automatically fantastic on any device. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you need any help, they have over 70 dedicated employees in New York City on the Squarespace customer care team. Squarespace truly care about design. They care about how the back end of their site looks. They care about how the front end of your websites look. And they also take a great care in making sure that their website, squarespace.com, looks great too. And you can go there and see it. They have some cool videos and stuff there too. Squarespace have two brand new iOS apps for Squarespace customers. They have Squarespace Blog, which which lets you easily draft, post, schedule, and review posts, as well as monitor and manage comments for your site. It's fully integrated with Layout Engine, which is their page building system, so it allows you to easily format text or markdown, and you can drag and drop and tap images within your post to modify their settings and the way that they look. You also have Squarespace Metrics, which allows you to monitor uh, website analytics, page views, your unique visitor numbers, projections as well, give you and also some funky charts for your websites. These are all at your fingertips. They've also updated their existing apps, Note and Portfolio for iOS 7 as well. And don't forget, if you're a musician, they have things like amazing stuff like audio collections that you can have. So you can put all your band's music on your website. And if you're selling stuff online using their commerce platform, they have a 3D visualizer for shipping now as well, which is really funky. As I said earlier, you can try out Squarespace for free. don't need any credit card to do this. And if you decide to purchase... Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month, and they include a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Don't forget, you'll get 10% off and also help support Command Space by using the offer code TALLYHO12, that's T-A-L-L-Y-H-O-1-2. So thank you to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and Command Space. So I want to talk about some uh, projects um, that you've worked on, and I think probably the one that you I assume talk about the most and it's definitely the way that I first found out about you was daily drop cap nice where did this come well, from well i've had a i've had a i've had a couple of like slightly more higher profile projects happen so i'm happy that we get to talk about this one. oh really <laughs> awesome so where did where did the idea come from for for daily drop cap like what is it and and how did you think it up well i at the time that i created daily drop cap i um i was just about to leave working for Louise Feely. And I was working on um, a lot of freelance illustration work. And, you know, my illustration work started to overload my my day job. And that's why I ended up leaving. Um, but I loved drawing letters so much. And I was just starting to get hired to do it on, on the regular with my freelance work. And I just didn't want a day to go by that I wasn't able to, like, practice and draw letters even when clients weren't paying me to do it. Um, and one thing that was so wonderful about working for Louise is that when I worked for her, I mean, I did just get to practice drawing letters all the time and I was really afraid of what would happen when that went away. So I wanted to set up a a way that I had to force myself to draw letters all the time, basically. Um, and I set it up as a daily, uh, project. I originally thought about doing an alphabet a week, but then realized that that would be crazy. And then, um, decided on a letter a day. 
And the only reason why I decided on doing it for 12 alphabets is because um, then I can make like a calendar or something at the end, which I still haven't done. (laughs) But that was the original sort of like, you know, client brief to myself was if I can do this every day for 12 alphabets, then if clients aren't paying me to do it, I'll at least be practicing. Did you stick to exactly daily? Like, or were there like, did you take days off? I definitely took days off. I mean, I, um, at first it was every day and then it was every weekday and then it was most weekdays, but if I'm traveling, I get a pass. Sure. So <laughs> it took, it took definitely longer than I, I originally intended it to take, but I really tried hard to keep up with it as much as I could. And, um, thankfully people were pretty forgiving if I went a few days without posting. And whenever I did do that, I always tried to like make up for lost time. Right. So I would, you know, post, I would, you know, spend an afternoon to make five letters and post all five in the same, um, you know, to make up for the missed days. Are you the type of person Which that, was really stressful. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Are you the type of individual that, like, if you didn't call it daily, then you may have never really completed it? Like, if you just kind of was like, drop caps sometimes type thing would it would it yeah totally and I mean in the same way I've had a bunch of things that I've intended on doing over the years that I haven't done because I haven't had a schedule so for me even when I work with new clients and stuff like that I just tell them point blank like if you're not on my calendar as a deadline it doesn't get done so like even if you're like I don't care just send it to me whenever I need a deadline otherwise it's not going to get done like it just won't get prioritized ever so um with personal projects, I have to put them on my calendar as if they're client deadlines. Otherwise, I just won't give them the, you know, the, what they need in order to get them done. So how long did it last for in total, the project? It was about a year and a half. Right. So, um, yeah, just, uh, just about a year and a half. And, like, the, obviously, they've, the, all of the, the, the letters are wildly different in style. Where would your inspirations come from? It, you know, varied, you know, on days that I felt like I wasn't immediately inspired by anything in my environment, I would just think about something stylistically that I had seen, you know, in either recent history or in past history and what could I do to pay homage to that. Or um, on a lot of days, like the inspiration's a little bit clearer, like there's this one M that's like pink and sparkly and I was listening to a lot of Mariah Carey that day. So I was like, yeah, pink sparkly M, that makes sense. (laughs) So they each have, the, you know, sometimes they derive their inspiration from the letters themselves. You know, there's a, a V in the shape of a slice of pizza because pizzas are shaped like Vs. There's um, a Q that's a, I believe there's a Q that's a wreath. It's either an O or a Q that's a wreath because it was around Christmas time and it just made sense to me to make a letter like that. So I was, you know, influenced by the environment around me and influenced by um, music I was listening to and stuff I saw that week. You know, there was a lot of different touch points for reference. I think I found the pink sparkly M. I'm going to put that one in the show notes for people so they can see it. So uh, lots, <laughs> nice. di- lots of diamonds. Uh, it's all like sort of fancy. Um, Indeed. What What would you say were like the biggest things that you learned from this project? Did you take anything away from it new that you hadn't kind of learned before? I think the main thing that I learned is that big projects are accomplishable if you treat them like a lot of little tiny projects. So I sort of always knew that I would get really intimidated by really big projects. Like I've always wanted to write more, but I've been so intimidated at the idea of like writing a book that I've never written a long, 
you know, anything of length. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, I think this project really taught me that I'm capable of doing big long-term projects as long as I don't think about the end result and I just think about it on a day-to-day basis. Um, So I've really sort of learned that about all the work that I do and like that I can't look at a, at a new huge project as, oh my God, look at this giant intimidating project. I have to look at, okay, well, this is accomplishable by this date. This is accomplishable by this date. And then that really helps me to finish things. Did the Daddy Dropcat project open any doors for you? Like, did it, did it help people find out about your work and projects came from that that may not have materialized otherwise? Oh yeah, a ton. I mean, I think it was really what ended up um, launching so much of my career. It's definitely which, what launched my speaking career. So um, once I once I made Daily Dropcap, I think is pretty much the reason why I got invited to speak at Semi Permanent in Australia. And um, having a giant conference under your belt means more giant conferences ask you to come speak. <laughs> right. So I, I think that that whole leg of my career was really brought on because of Daily Dropcap. And then I think a lot of people have discovered um, my work because of the site. And then um, it definitely spawned my my Penguin Drop Caps collaboration um, with Penguin Classics. It's probably, that's probably, I wouldn't be surprised if this leads right into my next question was, um, which is about some of the projects that you've worked on since. If you had any jobs that were like a dream come true for you? Oh, yeah. Well, um, the, the Penguin Drop Caps project that I just finished up working on was definitely a dream come true. I always dreamed about doing a classic series with them especially um, in recent years after seeing uh, the work that Coralie Bickford-Smith did for them on her like really beautiful linen pattern covers. I was like so envious of, of her covers for them. Um, and I was also, you know, I, I never thought, I never dreamed that they would want to do a series that was really like branded as my work, which was also really awesome because, you know, the work that I did, I did a bunch of classic book covers with Barnes and Noble that were like amazing and I had so much fun working on them and I've gotten such a great response from them, but they like, they weren't, I wasn't given as much ownership over that project in terms of like, you know, credit basically, like they just integrated with their existing um, leather classic series. There wasn't like, this is by Jessica, you know, anywhere noticeable. <laughs> right. So, um, I mean, it was really awesome when Penguin wanted to collaborate and wanted to make it, make the series about not only, you know, featuring my work, but like about me and my work. So that was awesome. And then, um, you know, obviously another dream project was working on the movie titles for Moonrise Kingdom with Wes Anderson. Um, and, you know, that was really super crazy. And I could, I never saw that coming down the pipeline. And when it happened, I was jazzed, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine getting something like that sort of land um, on your desk must be quite a day. Yeah, there were definitely some jumping jacks and some, like, shaky, freaking out, like, feelings. But I also, you know, I had had enough experience at that time working on client work and especially on, like, high desirable client work that I just didn't believe it was real. Like, I didn't believe it was real until it was being printed, basically. Like, until they were writing me and being like, so the Apple trailer is going live tomorrow. Make sure you send that file. And I was like, wait this is actually going to happen? Like, I just didn't believe it was going to happen. <laughs> what? Because, <laughs> um, I yeah. mean, so, so often, so often things get killed. You know, you'll work 
really hard on a project and then in the last minute some random person just voices like oh I don't know it, it just I don't like that color and then the whole project is gone so I like couldn't let myself believe that it was going to happen in case I had to deal with the disappointment of it not happening so when it actually happened I was like just through the moon I guess as well like a, a project working in this in in that industry um you know that they must be they must, that sort of stuff i assume happens you know like things just fall through unexpectedly all the time like in the movie industry and stuff well I it's also i mean when you're dealing with industries that are you know like cool industries that don't necessarily pay the best out of all industries right. um they can walk away and it's not painful you know what i mean like if they walk away and they lose some like a little bit of money on it it's not a big deal it's only when you know that people have like a lot of money invested in something that it would be really hard for them to walk away but you know anytime that you're working on something on a project that is for like a cool industry there's usually not a ton of money in play <laughs> and that makes it all the more you know easy for people to just say oh never mind we're going to use future again <laughs> Do you have any? Do you have any uh, jobs that have come your way, or work that you've done that have been surprisingly fun to work on? You know, like you took a job because it seemed interesting, and you loved it so much more than you thought you were going to, or you know, you took something because you needed to put food on the table, and it turned out to be something so much more than what you expected. Um, for me, I think usually the more than I expected is when I end up feeling a real connection to the art directors that I'm working with. Um, you know, so I, it could be any project, but if I feel like we're on the same team and we're really working together to get it done and that, you know, when there's client woes that they, you know, sigh along with me and we, we can kind of ha have a joke about it. Um, those are always the projects that really like happily surprise me. So, you know, even I'm working on a project now that is, you know, a little headachey at the moment, but I really love how bonded I feel to the, <laughs> to the art directors. Right. And um, I thought, you know, when the project came along, I was like, oh, that seems like a cool project. And parts of it are really cool and parts of it can be maybe a little nightmare. And um, but overall, I'm really happy about it because the, the team that I'm working with is cool. Is it sort of fair to say now that your work is like a combination of illustration and lettering? Is that is that fair? Like, or is that too broad? Well, I think that lettering is illustration. You know, okay. it's uh, you know, lettering is basically just illustrated words. Um, so, I think that what most people most people put lettering in like more of the like type design and graphic design community, but I think it's far more on the illustration side um, in terms of how how you work and like what kind of people you work with and how you price jobs and just sort of the day-to-day -day of it is very similar to illustration. So um, I would say I'm sort of between, I'm between the illustration and design world, um, you know, because of my web projects and because of type design and, um, but lettering is a, a good little in-betweener in there. So these days, where where do you find you taking your inspiration from? Um, mostly from uh, being <laughs> pretty, like trying to be healthy. <laughs> I feel like inspiration is, a lot of people ask you what your inspiration is and they really mean like what are your influences. Um, and so most of my inspiration comes from being around people okay. and just like trying to be happy and eating well and sleeping a decent amount of hours. 
And then if I can do that, then I am an excited, happy person. And that makes me excited and happy about work. (laughs) Um, In terms of influences, I I try to not um, poison the well too much by looking at a lot of stuff online, Um, even though like, you know, I love looking at other people's beautiful work, but generally it makes me anxious. And it also (laughs) is, it makes it difficult to not uh, repeat what others have done, you know, so I tend to do my sort of uh, inspiration influence searching on different days than I do my working. And since I'm working um, every day, it's hard to find time to do that. (laughs) Jessica, what is your muse? (laughs) My muse? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I get that. I can assume that you probably have to try and keep away from stuff that, that you enjoy a lot because it can be too much of a yeah you you don't want to do something and then look at something later and be like oh no did i take this from there or did i think of this on my own i assume that that's something that is worth making that battle for so you don't have to feel like that yeah and i think really what it comes down to is like your biggest influence should always be the thing you're designing for not you know some external influence So like for me, I always, before I do any sort of visual inspiration, like thinking or looking, I have to brainstorm about what it actually is that I'm designing for. So, um, you know, I look at the references the client gives me and I read the briefs that the client gives me and I, you know, read the book if it's a book cover or whatever and think about what immediately comes to mind in terms of visual reference for me just from, you know, just connecting with the material alone more so than going on Pinterest and, you know, searching like calligraphic type, you know, (laughs) (laughs) because then I'm going to, I'm going to want to make something just because I'm in the mood to make something of a certain style instead of something that's like really appropriate for the job. You mentioned that you, uh, you like to speak or that you do speaking gigs. Um, How often is this something that you you participate in? Is this like an annual thing, or do you do it more than this? Um, I probably do like two speaking gigs a month. Oh wow! So um, it's pretty often. So um, I've spoken at about um, maybe forty or fifty times <laughs> over the last couple years. So it gets up there. Um, I usually just do maybe like five conferences. I'm trying to just do like maybe like five to six conferences a year. And then other than that, it's kind of smaller, um, smaller organizations. Um, but it's tough. You know, there's a, a huge demand for inspirational um, lady speakers. So I, sure. I get asked quite a bit. <laughs> so you're, you've, you've got that market cornered. Yeah, well, you know, I'm a very bubbly, energetic person. And I think, you know, people like to look at pretty things on the screen. And they also like to listen to people that have a brain in their heads. And I'm not saying I'm like the smartest person on earth. But, you know, I I could be entertaining for sure. (laughs) I assume that you enjoy it then. You you enjoy being on stage and, and giving these sort of talks and stuff. I do. I really enjoy it. The only thing that I don't enjoy is the disruption um, that it brings to my work and to my personal relationships. Um, because, you know, of course, when you have a significant other that ha- that can't travel with you all the time, um, it becomes a bit of a strain, you know, because obviously they don't want you to be gone for so much of the year. A couple years ago in 2012, um, not a couple years ago, really, you know, a year ago. Um, but I had overbooked myself so much because 
the year before we moved to San Francisco and I had all this stuff on my calendar when I thought that we were going to be living on the East coast. So, um, you know, it's a lot more difficult to travel to Europe from, from California. Um, and it made my travel calendar really crazy. So I was away for like 26 weeks of that year, just speaking and traveling for speaking. And that is not a fun thing to do, especially when you're, you know, planning a wedding or a newlywed, you know, nobody wants to be the person stuck at home. Um, and your clients are not very forgiving when, you know, they, even, even if whatever traveling you're doing has nothing to do with the deadlines that they've given you, um, they get in a panic just knowing that you're not available in case there's a last minute change or something like that. So, um, you know, someone, you might have a deadline that's four weeks out and because you're going to be away for a long weekend during that time, they're like, ah, suddenly the deadline has changed and I'm moving it forward because I'm having a panic attack, but you're not going to be around. Um, and so that happens a lot. So I just have to sort of like go under the radar about the fact that I'm away a lot. Otherwise people get really angsty. <laughs> I can cut this bit out and right? just hide this bit of the show. So nobody knows that it occurs. I'll just like blank out the weeks in the year. <laughs> oh no, that's fine. I mean, I work, I work when I'm gone, like when I'm out of town too. Oh, yeah. It's just a lot harder. There's like nothing fun about working from mediocre hotel rooms in other time zones. Like, it's just not very fun. I'd rather yep. be in my studio. Um, and I think there's, you know, a lot of people, it, it is, it's amazing to be able to travel and to be able to see different parts of the world and to be able to meet people from different areas of the world. And I, it's, it's helped me grow so much as a person and, and as a, an art maker. Um, but it's definitely one of those things that is not sexy if you do it a lot. You know, you spend a lot of your time tired and jet lagged and, in hotel rooms in weird parts of cities and mostly on a plane in economy. <laughs> what is your process like when you put together a talk? Um, do you tend to have an idea before you accept um, an engagement or do you work it out on the way? Do you have like a selection of talks that you give to certain audiences? Well, the way that I sort of build most of my talks is I think about the audience first and what they want. So, um, you know, if it's a younger audience, like mostly students and, and young professionals, they, they're going to want a lot more like early story and how do I get in, like, how did I get into doing what I do um, versus an audience that is very familiar with my work or maybe has been, you know, not familiar with my work at all, but has been working alone for a while and they don't care to know my origin story as much as they want to know about current projects and process. And, um, or, you know, if you speak at a web conference or something like that, a lot of web conferences, they tend to want you to give very practical talks, you know, things that people can walk away with and like apply to their own work immediately. And so you always just have to take that into consideration first when planning a talk. And then other than that, I mean, you can give, you can show the same work over and over and over again, but contextualize it really differently depending on who you're talking to and who else is speaking at the conference. Because obviously you can't go back in time and make new work. You know, your your portfolio is your portfolio and it's all about how you talk about it and how you contextualize it. And I could talk about work that I made when I was 24 now that I'm almost 30 and have a very different opinion of it than I did at the time. Are there um, any talks that, that are online that, that are like favorites of yours that like you recommend, like there are videos or whatever? Yeah, there's a bunch. They're actually linked from my site. So if you go to my speaking page on my site, I have linked to a few of the, the videos of me speaking. 
Awesome. I'll make sure that's in the show notes too. If you want to find the show notes, by the way, you can go to 5x5.tv slash cmdspace slash 76 and you will find the links to everything that we've been speaking about today. Um, what? How do you envision sort of where do you want to go in 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 the in this industry? If you, if you, do you put a lot of thought into that, like what do you want your future to look like? Um, I don't know if I think about it all that much, just because I've never been like a five year planner. I'm more of a like look at what I'm doing now. What do I like about it? What don't I like about it? How can I do more of the thing that I like? Kind of person. Yeah. And I think it's mostly just because I like everybody else. I'm terrified of thinking about myself in in 30 years and like I don't want to make broad strokes decisions because I don't know who I'll be then you know I don't want to make a plan and then have to and feel the need to stick to it um so and and have this like very linear um life you know what I mean to to look to say okay well when I'm 60 I want this like if I do that like what if I'm a completely different person by then and I completely change my mind but then I've set a goal that I no longer want to reach and then what does that mean for myself and my confidence and you know feeling like I've accomplished anything so I'm more of like a what do I want to do over the next couple of months kind of person yeah I get that are you working on any sort of projects at the moment that um that's that you're able to talk about or anything that you've got that you've you're just about to finish that's like really exciting you that you're able to say oh this I just finished this thing that I love I have a couple of things that are kind of under the radar, but I'm getting to do a little kind of like brand massaging and, and thinking for, which I really like to do. And um, also doing a little bit of typeface work for a couple of projects, which, you know, is something that I've always thought about doing, but was really intimidated to do. So I'm sort of putting my feet in the baby pool, trying to do it for people that I think are awesome and, and will be fun to work with. Um, but they're a little under the radar, those projects. I am working on, this week, I'm working on a series of Proust covers for a Norwegian publisher. Um, so I have to have two of the, it's a series of seven books. It's, you know, um, Proust's main series um, illustrated in seven volumes. And um, I have to have the first two done by Friday. So I've turned in my sketches a couple days ago and doing the finals this week. Um, what else do I got going on? Got all kinds of stuff. I'm working with Pinterest a little bit, which is fun. I, I have a bunch of friends that work there right now. So it's been fun to be sort of like a randomly pop into the office whenever I feel like it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I've been I've been working on some ongoing cards with Papyrus, which is a um, like a stationary retailer. Um, and they've been great to work with. And it's been interesting just to like every now and then be like, hey, want to make a Mother's Day card? Okay, cool you know, two weeks later done. <laughs> that stuff must be cool. So, and it's just like a quick, you know, you can just, if you have a good little idea and you can just get it out and out into the world. And I assume it must be quite nice with the type of work that you do. So I assume quite a lot of it is printed. Would I be right in thinking that? Yeah. A lot, a lot of it is printed for sure. Um, you know, because still there's, there's kind of like a backwards opinion about print versus web where people are a little willing to pay more money for print stuff because they feel like it's more permanent or something. So a lot of my work is definitely um, more print-based, and then, um, which is really nice. And also, most of my projects are kind of shorter-term projects. I'm not a big fan of long-term projects, and that's why Daily Drop Cap was such mm. a accomplishment for me because I have such a hard time with like big, like big old projects. 
So most of the projects that I take on for clients are, you know, a month or so maximum of time. And usually that's like actually start to finish, but not actually a month of time commitment. You know, that's just where the deadlines fall on my calendar. Jessica, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, why don't you tell people? You oh, thank you. Why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internet? You can find me on the internet uh, at jessicahish.is slash awesome. And my last name is H-I-S-C-H-E. I love that URL, the way that you do the URLs for your site. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> it's very, very small. They're endlessly fun trying to come up with weird slugs that I haven't done before for um, for all of my things. I do so much work for industries that have overlapped. So jessicahish.is slash craving chocolate has been one that I've accidentally repeated a couple of times for chocolate clients. <laughs> <laughs> that's great um, so thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Command Space if you want to find me online um, I'm on Twitter I'm at imike I-M-Y-K-E come along and follow me there if you wish thank you very much for listening to this week's episode thank you for listening through all of 2013 um, I'll be back now of an episode in 2014 and happy holidays to you too so uh, enjoy your time and I'll speak to you all in the new year until next time bye bye <laughs>